give yourselves a hand. You got out of bed today. You deserve a round of applause. We celebrate you getting out of bed. We celebrate you getting out of bed. Uh, we celebrate everyone getting out of bed. Because we love to celebrate around here uh, because we believe in a God that wants us to have fun in life, wants us to have fun, and we celebrate. And uh, we just want to do that with you this morning. So uh, that's why we do it. We do it with purpose. Everything we do, we do with purpose. say that again. There was a line at the bathroom at the end of the service. For some reason, we just decided to hold it in until the end of service. If only every week I could get up and have a line at the end of the bathroom, I know I'm doing good. But last week, there was a line at the bathroom, so I know it was good. And um, the good news is, if you missed it, you don't have to miss out. You can go back and you can listen to that.
ready to dig in. If you're ready, say ready. All right. Wow, that was great. Um, a lot better response than I normally get. So that was really good. Um, this morning we're beginning a series called Dream Again. And uh, I'm, I'm thrilled with it. And the reason why uh, we're talking about dreaming again and the reason why we're doing it uh, this morning is, is because, number one, God is most glorified when we when we see our dreams come true. God is most glorified in our lives when we are able to see our dreams come true. And um, and so so I want to I want to tackle this over the next three weeks. Um, the other reason why is because it's a part of our culture at the refuge. We want to be um, a culture of dreamers and risk takers, not settling our dreams and just because dreams are. When my wife and I started the Refuge Church, uh, we sat down and we listed uh, five things that we wanted in our culture. And one of the things, the number one thing that we wrote down, the fir- very first thing, was we want to be dreamers and risk takers, not settle for our dreams to remain dreamers. And uh, we're going to talk about why this is a part of our culture over the next three weeks. And um, the third reason is, is because over the last few months, after the last couple weeks, actually, I've had multiple conversations, multiple conversations with people that just feel stuck. Um, If you just feel stuck, this is a message series that I hope can can help you on your path to um, to what God has for you. If I were to give us um, a a big idea for today, um, it would be this, a big idea for today is this. We need to start looking at our dreams as a vehicle for God's glory. We need to start looking at our dreams as a vehicle to God's glory. We're talking about God-honoring dreams today. But you know, it's funny, as we, as we start out life as children, we become, we like, like in kindergarten class, the kindergarten teacher asks all of her kindergarten students, what do you want to be when you grow up? And we, you have dreams of being a firefighter and being, uh, I wanted to be a professional baseball player until I turned 13 and realized that I sucked at baseball. Uh, I was just no good at baseball. Am I allowed to say suck? I did. I'm sorry. But I was no good at baseball. But I wanted to be, uh, when I was five years old, that's what I wanted to be. We stopped dreaming along the way. And I want you to know in this series is that it's okay to dream again. It's okay to dream again. God actually gives us permission to dream again. I believe that the local church should be a dream factory filled with people that are chasing their dreams. And not just chasing their dreams, but seeing them come true. Because when they chase their dreams and they fail, because when it's a dream factory, it doesn't matter... Factories all the time produce things that are duds, right? I, I, I worked at one time in my life, I worked at a, um, at, an, at a, it was called North American Lighting. They, they made headlights. And there were, there were headlights that we made that were duds, that we just threw away and recycled because it didn't turn out the way it was supposed to. Guess what? Dreams are, there are times that dreams don't turn out like they're supposed to. 
But when we are a, when we are a dream factory, we pick each other up when we fail and we say, you know what, it's okay. So I want us to be a dream factory filled with people that aren't afraid to chase their dreams because that's when faith grows. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. If you have your Bibles, you can turn up, you can follow along with me there. Uh, or you can follow along in the YouVersion Bible app. There's um, a slide behind me that tells you exactly how to get there. Um, if you have a cell phone or an iPad uh, and you have the YouVersion Bible app, it's really easy to, to get to. Um, we loaded all the notes for today, and uh, we're excited to share those with you. Proverbs 29, 18 in the message translation says this, if people can't see what God is doing, can I get a witness? <laughs> if people can't see what God is doing, sounds pretty, pretty, does, it, does that sound familiar to anybody, anybody at all, just me? Like sometimes I don't know what God is doing in my life, right? Sometimes I don't know what God is doing. If we look at our country and we see people that don't know what God is doing, but watch this. When they can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, but when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. When we get back to what God is showing us, what God is revealing to us, that's when we're the most blessed. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know this morning that the number one way, the number one way that God reveals things to us is in this book. That is why every day I open it up and I read it and I say, God reveals something to me. However, he is also able to reveal through people and through our thoughts. And I don't want to diminish those things. That he gives us thoughts along the way that will always match his word. He will never go against his word. That's why this is that we have to rely on the most because people and thought will lead us astray. However, he is able to reveal his thoughts and his plans in our lives. I believe one of the most godly things that you can say is I'm living out my dream. I'm living out my dream. About eight or nine years ago, there was a TV show on MTV, which my parents didn't allow me to watch, but I did anyway. It was eight or nine years ago. I was like 30 years old by the time. There was a show called The Buried Life. Uh, my kids, thank God my kids are like MTV or MTV. They have no idea. Uh, the Buried Life was a, a TV show about these kids that would ask the question, what do you want to do before you die? And they would, they would, the show would, would the show would, would be them, like, doing the things that they want to do before they die. It only lasted two seasons, and it was really successful. Um, I don't know why. It, it was a great thought, right? But I think that every single
single one of us should ask the question, what do I want to do before I die? And, and in fact, I think we should take it a step further and we should ask God, what do you want me to do before I die? And, and take it even a step further. One of the things that I've learned this week, this week, this past week, is sometimes it really helps to get a pad and a paper and a pen and write it down. So that if you have something to follow, so that you can be disciplined and patient and rigid in the goals that God has for you. This is something I'm living, ladies and gentlemen. And so, so we should sit down with a pad and a paper and a Bible and a, and, and a prayer and, and say, God, what do you want me to accomplish before I die? Or what do you want me to do before I die? And you should have fun with it. Like, like it's, it's okay to have a little fun in life, ladies and gentlemen. We go to church so, so many times and we think, oh, brother, we're going to make I hope that's not what happens in the message. If Sunday isn't your favorite day of the week, we're doing it wrong. So we better help you, like, help you along the way. So it's okay to sit down with a pad and a paper and a prayer and say, God, what do you want me to do with my life? And so this last week, um, as I was preparing this message, I sat down and I asked God, what do you want me to do with my life? What do I want to do in my life? So I came up I was able to write down 21 things. That's not very many. Um, but but I, I wish the list was longer. Some of them are fun. Some of them, but, but all of them are personal. Some of them are for the refuge. Some of them are for my family. But I said, and I'll, I'll go ahead and, and let you know some of them. I want the refuge church. I dream of the refuge church being the healthiest and largest church in the universe. Don't get lost in the largest, but in, in the healthiest. Because when we get better, it'll get bigger. And I want to be the best that we can, and I believe that the best that we can is the largest in New England. Because we serve a God of the impossible. Second thing I want to do, I want to see every major league ballpark with my son. That would be so cool to be able to go to all 32 teams' ballparks. I think we've gone to two of them. So we've got a long, long time to go. I've, personally, I've been to eight or nine, but, but my son has only been to two of them, which is a cool welcome day for him. And maybe someday I would do, because it's his team right now, and he's actually actually decent at baseball, not like I was. And so, like, Someday I want to go watch him play at a major league ball field and be able to do that and, and consider it. Like, that's a dream that I have. And it's not a dream that I pushed him to do. It's a dream that he wants to do himself. I dream for my kids to... I dream for my kids to use their gifts to serve Jesus. I'd love to write a book someday and have people read it. I'd love to go to Turkey with my Turkish friend Alpai and Greece and Italy. I'd love to eat Italian food in Italy. Come on. I've never done that. If you've done that, I envy you. 
I want to provide free childcare for families in, in the town of Wyndham. It's okay to dream a little. I want you to know this morning, it's okay to dream a little. It's okay to dream a lot. But here's what I discovered in writing my dreams down. I had a tension. I discovered this tension between what I thought was possible and what I thought was impossible. And when it wasn't impossible, or when it seemed impossible, I had a tendency to not want to write it down. I had a tendency to shy away from the impossible because that's too big. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to remove the tension that la- that is between us, between the God of the impossible and the possible. I want us to see our dreams as things that are able to be achieved because I've lived it. God delights in doing the impossible. He loves to show off in our lives because that's when he's glorified. This isn't about prosperity. This isn't about name whatever you want and it's given to you. It's not about prosperity. It's about God working miracles in our lives so that others can see the glory of God in it. We live in a culture of church that has shied away from prosperity so much that we've gotten away from faith. I want to be a church of people that have faith in the God of the impossible because they've seen him do it. When Ty and I started the Refuge Church, the number of the first cultural value that we wrote down was we want to be dreamers and risk takers and not settle for our dreams to just be in dreams. And the reason why we wrote that down, number one, the reason why it was the very first one was because when we wrote it down, we were in the middle of living our dreams. And we knew that what we were doing, that other people could do too. That doesn't mean start a church, but that means chase your dreams. That you were able that you are able to chase the dreams that God reveals to you. And that God is glorified when you chase those dreams that he does. So we wrote it down to be the first thing that that we wanted to to have as a culture. And and I'm going to talk a little more specifically about why that is. But but we knew that we wanted to be a a people of faith that, that would watch faith grow before our eyes. And when we chase dreams, our faith grows. And so this morning, I want to show you, um, I want to show you three things. First, I want to show you three things, three reasons it's important for you to chase your dreams. Three reasons that it's important for you to chase your dreams. And then I want to show you three ways that God, that, that, that dreams can honor God. Do you understand? So I want to show you first why it's important. And then I want to show you the dreams that honor God so that we don't get wrapped up in this idea of, of prosperity and, and, and this idea of, of whatever I want, I can have, right? Because that's not necessarily what 
there's such a thing as dreams that do honor God. So, so why is it important? Number one, dreams are the language of God. Dreams are the language of God. If you've ever had a God-honoring dream in your life, you have heard the voice of God lead it in your life. If you have ever had a God-honoring dream in your life, you have heard God's voice. I know it. I know that the day that I heard the voice of God to go to New England and plant the Refuge Church. In fact, I remember the day that he gave me the name the Refuge Church. And I believe with all of my heart that in that day I heard the voice of God so closely that it could have been audible. It wasn't. But I believe it was so loudly. I believe I heard it with such clarity that, that, that I heard the voice of God that day. And if you're sitting there and you're saying, I don't think I've ever heard the voice of God. Well, then why are you trying to dream it right now? Because that's the way that God speaks to us. He speaks to us with dreams. Why does God talk with dreams? Well, if you think about God, He exists outside of this world. He exists in a completely other dimension. He's not limited by the things that limit us. He's not limited by just the language of English. He's, li- he's not limited by gravity. He's not li- he has no limitations. And so he wants to speak to us in dreams that we can see be accomplished. In Acts chapter 2, verse 17, it says this. This, this, this verse really, uh, this week, really opened my eye. It says this. It says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. In the last days. Ladies and gentlemen, we're getting closer and closer and closer to the last days. We're living in the last days, I believe it. But watch what he says he he will do in the last days. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Prophecy, visions, and dreams. You know what they all are? They are all pictures of things that have not happened yet. They're all pictures of things that have not happened yet. In the last days, as we earnestly seek God, as we look to Him, He will reveal things to us that we haven't seen yet. I believe that they will be dreams. So that we will be dreamers in this age and not settle for our dreams and remain dreams. When you have had a dream in your heart, you have heard the voice of God. The second reason why it's impossible, number two, is dreams are the target of our faith. Dreams are the target of our faith. Faith without a target is nothing. We say at the refuge that belief plus trust equals faith. Belief plus trust equals faith. And so if dreams um, are the target of our faith, where, where does that fit into the equation? Well, what are you believing for? What are you trusting for? In belief and trust, it's the target of both of them. It's, our target isn't the faith. Our target has substance. Hebrews 11.1, 1, I'm going to read it in a moment. I'm getting ahead of myself in my notes. But Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. 
What are you hoping for? It has to have a target. Faith that has no, uh, faith has to have an object attached to it. It has to. You say to me, Pastor Adam, I just don't have that much faith right now. You know what my first question is? What's your target? What's your target? What are you shooting for? What are you hoping for? As long as you have a target, you have faith. Was it that your husband or your wife would come to know Jesus? What is it that you're hoping for? Was it that you'd be able to go to work on Monday or Tuesday without being tormented by your coworkers? What was your target? What is your target? Was it that you would live a, a week without having to to drink from a bottle without having to shoot a needle in your arm? What was the target? What are you hoping for? Faith always has to have a target. If you have a target, you have faith. If you have a target, you can see it come to be. But without a target, third reason that we, it is important for us to chase our dreams is because dreams have a habit of coming true. Let me say that again. Dreams have a habit of coming true. Another reason why we want to be dreamers and risk takers and not settle for our dreams to remain dreams is because dreams are contagious. Ladies and gentlemen, I said dreams are contagious. I hope that every week that you see me on this stage, that you see a dream being lived out that God did, not, not that I did, but that God did, and it empowers you to get out in the world and to chase the dreams that God gives you. Dreams are contagious. When I see my friend Matt open up a body shop and, and, and see what God does in, in his life, and, and then, then I have the... I have the dream that I can I can start a business all of a sudden. Because I saw Matt at church do it. Because I saw my my pastor and his wife leave another state that didn't they didn't know a, a soul in the in, in the state of Maine. And they were able to do it. Maybe I can do it. What is the dream that you have so deep inside of your heart? I want you to know that it's possible with you. But, so Luke chapter 1 verse 37 says, For no word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail. We are, but the Bible says that God is the God of the impossible. He's, he's able to do infinitely more than we can ask or dream of. So why is it 
that we stop believing in the God of the impossible? Why is it that we stop believing that God can do impossible things? Three reasons, three quick reasons why we believe, why we stop believing that God can do impossible things. Number one, we have the wrong view of life. We have the wrong view of life. Oftentimes, we can get the wrong view of life and we can start living life and letting life live us. Let's face it. The world that we live in, it's easy to look at life and say, life stinks. It's it's easy to get doom and gloom from the world that we live in. It's easy to look at, at politics and government and and, and different things and say, man, this world is just messed up. But ladies and gentlemen, I say it's time that the church rises up and starts believing that God can do an amazing work in this world and do the impossible. Because the last time I checked, light shines best in darkness. If there was no dark, there would be no need for light. So every day we get up and we know that we're going to the world and we know that it's full of darkness, but we know that we can carry the light into it because God is able to shine through us. The world that we live in needs a church that will be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, that will seek Jesus in all things. The second thing that we get a wrong view is ourselves. We get a wrong view of life and we get a wrong view of ourselves. We don't see things how they are, we see things how we are. But Pastor Adam, you don't know what I've been through. You don't understand my past. I don't understand your past, but I know a God that can bring out your past and show you a bright future. We need to stop letting life write our script and allow God to write it for us. If if I allow life to write my script, I would not be here, that's for sure. I went to four high schools in three years. My parents just happened to be here today. They can confirm everything that I say, that I would not be here. Come on, mom and dad. I will not be here if I let life just to write my script for me. Four high schools in three years, three different states. We got to the end of, of my high school, and, and, and I committed to go to Bible college to be a pastor. My mom looked at me, boy, are you crazy. Why in the world would you? Why would you want to do this? She confirmed I'm crazy. But then I went on to Bible college, and by the years three or four, I don't forget which one it was, I almost got kicked out of school. And the thing that I did to almost get kicked out of school probably could have put me in jail. You know what? It could have put me in jail. But it didn't. 
because God had a better script, ladies and gentlemen. Don't follow the script that life writes for you. Follow the script that God has for you. And he will do the impossible. Number three, the third reason it's important is because, uh, or sorry, the, the, the number three, the, the third reason we don't believe in the God of the impossible is because we, get, we have a wrong view of God. We have a wrong view of God. Ladies and gentlemen, God is the God of the impossible. I said God is the God of the impossible. But when was the last time we prayed that? We pray, God, give me a good day. God, bless this food to our bodies. God, give me a good night of sleep. What? We have a God of the impossible that we can go to and we, we, we can say, God, you are the God of the impossible that I can come before and I can see a mighty revival rising up in the state of Maine and that you can do it through the refuge church. God, you are able to show me just content with praying for a better meal. What? We have a God that is able to do more than we could ask or dream of. Jeremiah 32, 17 says, Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. So what does a God-honoring dream look like? Because we can't just hope for millions of dollars and have it be given to us. That's not how God works. So how does he work? A God, number one, a God-honoring dream always seems risky. A God-honoring dream always seems risky. The reason a God-honoring dream always seems risky is because a God-honoring dream always requires a leap of faith. It will always require a leap of faith. The biggest risk that I have ever taken was to sell my house, to sell all of my possessions, to like, like, and, and to leave Illinois and move 1,500 miles away to a city that I knew no one with my family. The church that I worked at, I had been at for five years. I was a new pastor there. My pastor, Steve Usters, was a great, was a great man to this day. He was 62, 63 years old at the time. My pastor, Steve, had hopes of retirement. And we had conversations with Adam 
didn't know when Sunday was. But our church averaged for 350 to 400 people on a Sunday morning in Hagerstown. We, when we owned our house, our kids went to Christian school. We had a fenced-in yard. It wasn't a picket fence, but it was a fence. said, it's nothing because God wants us to do this. And we said, we will give it all up to chase the dream. That God has for us. And we packed it all up, we moved, and we came to Maine. And I believe the best days are, are ahead of us, ladies and gentlemen. The best is yet to come. Wait, how many times my wife and I have looked at each other over the course of the last two and a half years and said, this wouldn't have happened if you didn't regain him. These people wouldn't be in this room together if you didn't regain him. These people may not have been following Jesus if we didn't read Illinois. A God-honoring dream always seems risky. Hebrews 11, 6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Number two, a God-honoring dream requires God's involvement. A God-honoring dream always requires God's involvement. I want to live my life so big that people look at it and say, only God could have done that. In fact, I want to live life so big that my tombstone says, only God could have done that. Ephesians 3.20, I've made reference to it, but we're going to read it. It says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than I than all we ask or imagine, according to the power that is at work within us. Ladies and gentlemen, the power of God to do the, impow- to do the impossible is at work within me and it's in, at work within you. It's at work within us. So much so that we have the ability to see the impossible be possible. But a God-honoring dream requires God's involvement. And finally, a God-honoring dream changes lives. It may just be your life, but it always changes lives. Our lives boil down to this. What? How is my life impacting other people? Period. How is your life impacting other people? And when you live out the dream that God gives you, it is bound to impact someone. Because God is most glorified when our dreams come true. Back to the big idea. We need to start looking at our dreams 
as vehicles, as vehicles to God's glory. Don't look at it as a way to become rich or a way to become famous. That's not what dreams are about. They're about God receiving the glory for what he is doing. Ephesians 1, 11 through 12 says this. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, up, and he had his eyes on us had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose, he is working out in everything he created. Ladies and gentlemen, he is working out a glorious purpose in you. I wanted to conclude today by reading a a poem by uh, Sir Francis Drake that was written in 1577. And it's kind of the goal of this whole message series says this, disturb us, Lord, when we are too well pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true, because we have dreamed too little, when we arrive safely because we sail too close to the shore, disturb us, Lord, when with the abundance of things we possess, we have lost our thirst for waters of life. Having fallen in love with life, we have ceased to dream eternity. And in our efforts to build a new earth, we have allowed our vision of new heaven to be kindled. Disturb us, Lord, to dare more boldly, to venture more wider on wider seas, where storms will show your mastery, where losing sight of land shall find shall find the stars. We ask you to push back the horizons of our hope and to push into the future in strength, courage, hope, and love. Ladies and gentlemen, my desire for this series is that you would be able to push towards your dreams with courage, with strength, What's your target? What's your target? What are you hoping for? The fact of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, is that none of this can happen. None of it. That when Jesus died on the cross for you and for me, he made a way for us to enter into the presence of a God that can do the impossible. And he made it so that we can come before him and we can have a relationship with the God of the impossible. But apart from a relationship with him, it's not able to be done. You know why it's not able to be done? 
Because if I'm driving the driver's seat, I'm going where I want to go. If I'm driving the car, if I'm, I've got the steering wheel, then I'm, I'm taking it places that I want it to go. But I realized at a very early age that I needed to take, I had to take another seat in the car and let God drive the car. Just curious, just wondering if there's anyone in the room that would be bold enough to say, I'm driving the car. Is there anyone like that? I'm driving the car right now. Thank you. Yes. Anybody else? Anybody else? I'm driving the car. Now let me ask you this. Raise your hand. Do you want God to drive? want God to drive the car of your life, I want to lead you in this way. Just pray this prayer with me and believe it in your heart. Say, God, I come before you. And I am in the passenger seat. Or I'm in the driver's seat. But I am moving to the passenger seat to allow you to drive the car. Because Jesus died for give you my life. Come inside me and make me whole again. Come inside me and help me to live for you. Forgive me for the way that I've sinned. Because I do wrong all the time. I need your forgiveness. In Jesus' name I pray. If you said that prayer with me on the back of your connection card, just, just mark the box that says you're committing to follow Jesus, drop it in the black box as you go out. But ladies and gentlemen, we have dreams before us. We have dreams before us. Dreams that we can chase and dreams that we can see come to life. And ladies and gentlemen, if at any time during this series you uh, you have a dream in your heart that you, you, haven't, you, ha- you just haven't been chasing, I want to invite you Instead of writing a prayer on the back of our connection card, write down the dream that you're deciding to chase so that we can come alongside of you. So that we can pray for you. And so when we see God do the impossible, we can celebrate that. Because you're not chasing your dreams alone. You're not chasing them alone. so that you can see God do great and mighty things in your life so that He would be glorified. So let me ask you, what dream is in your heart? What target are you shooting for? Do you believe in the God of the impossible making it possible? I said, do you believe in the God of the impossible that can make it possible? I said, do you believe in God of the impossible that can make it possible? And so we celebrate 
We celebrate all that God has done today. We celebrate what he is going to do, and we're going to sing loud together. Give God a hand today. Come on.